Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 152 is Sam Quirk. Welcome to Sound of Play, Sam. Hello, thank you for having me. And uh, we've, uh, I think you've been on, on my uh, list of people to tap up, I think, when I put the shout out some time ago, probably. You mentioned that yeah. you'd be interested in coming on. That was, w- did you express that interest before you'd started podcasting yourself? Uh, it was actually about the same time, pretty much as uh-huh. soon as I sent you an email. I got an email from, from Mark on, on, on the other podcast uh, oh, nice. to ask whether I could step in because there had been an emergency drop out ah. of one of the hosts. So, uh, so yeah, that's how I ended up in the biz. <laughs> it's often how it starts, an yeah. emergency yeah, that's Mark Delaney, is it? Yeah, it is. He, he was on yes. your um, Mad Max yes. episode, I believe, yeah. Yes, uh, friends of the show both. Um, both uh, You guys are both associated with true, true trophies and true achievements. Yeah. Uh, Rich's uh, amazing brainchild, which has been itself going for quite some years now, hasn't it? Yeah, a long time now, yeah. Not sure exactly when, but I mean, even I've been on there for a good few years now. So yeah, it must be a long time. Yeah, they're really cool sites. Uh, I'm not just saying this because because uh, you're here and Rich is a friend. But I was uh, <laughs> even before I'd met Rich, uh, I'd clocked through achievements. And even as somebody who is not like achievement obsessed, they're just great community sites mm. and great places to track the gaming you've been doing. And um, and it's kind of it was it, true achievement started out as uh, as a way of um, uh, I mean he's a mathematician basically Rich so he, yeah. he was looking for a way to um, weight achievements so because obviously they're so developer based that developers were giving you all sorts of different scores for you know so you might have an achievement in one game that was worth 10 but it was going to take you like a thousand hours and you might have an achievement in another game which was 100 points for pressing start kind of thing and he thought that was kind of screwy which it is um and so he made uh made a site which does the math for you and basically works out what your actual <laughs> achievement score should be yeah absolutely and he's done a similar thing with with uh trophies on yes on playstation now as well he's got an even i would say even slightly more complicated algorithm to turn your yeah. silvers and golds into points and scores and your levels into true levels and all sorts of stuff and uh yeah. it boggles my mind how he how he came up with it in the first place but it's worked <laughs> 
Yeah, they're amazing. And um, as I say, even if you're not necessarily a, a trophy hunter or, or achievement obsessive, I think there's still quite a lot of um, fun sort of stats and things to get out of the site. Uh, mm. To sort of, I mean, if you've got no interest in that side of things, maybe it's not for you. But I think I think there is more to it than than just a resource for trophy and achievement obsessed players. But for those it, for those people it's absolutely like essential i would have said yeah and i think even uh, almost a little bit like the forum for kane and rinse i think you know just as there if you don't listen to every episode there's still a lot of uh, you can get out of the forums from from the community side yeah. of things it's the same on on both ta and tt there's there's such a a nice community among the sea of not very nice communities in the gaming world yes. um and that that makes it all the worthwhile as well because you know that's that's really where, where i'm going there for myself yeah, very true and well said. And yes, that's probably why we have some good uh, cross-pollination uh, between <laughs> us and our Tony and, and your Rich are, are good pals outside as well. So it all, uh, yeah, it's all very chummy and cosy. But enough blowing smoke up, uh, Rich's ass. <laughs> uh, now on to, to matters to do with you. So uh, welcome to the show. And how did you get involved actually with, um, with Tia and TT? Um, so I, uh, I think I wrote a walkthrough, which which is entirely voluntary. Um, yeah, just anyone on the site can can write a walkthrough. Um, yeah. and then there was a call out to um, apply to be a voluntary news hound for True Achievements. I got that a couple of years ago, um, and I've been writing news features and reviews ever since. Um, I went to EGX Res a couple of years ago as well, which was lovely. Yeah. Met some Excellent. devs. That was that was some good experience. And now I I'm kind of leading the writing on true trophies which is not got quite such a big community and we're going to try and build yeah. that quite a lot so um so i've kind of taken on writing all of the playstation exclusive news and and trying to write some features for the site as well so that's Excellent. my main job at the moment um along cool. with the uh playlist podcast as well so um yeah. which is very similar to the cane rinse podcast but um <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's it's mark's idea and it's it's his brainchild and he's obviously a huge Ken and rinse fan um but we do a lot of talking at length about games like you guys do and yeah. uh yeah it's been fun so far no problems here we we are, we are not <laughs> we're not insulted we are complimented yeah i think uh sam actually sort of ran it by us before he started doing it if i recall correctly mm. but we have no we have no uh rights over a, a, a format you know it's like it's it's a review show at the end of the day yeah we have certain uh we have certain little rules and 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 a bit of a manifesto that we go by but that's nothing yeah the more people talking about games in an intelligent long-form way the better as far as i'm concerned absolutely yeah yeah. Um, so your opening track, we heard it a while ago there, um, a brief blast from the past and uh, mm. I assume lovely memories of re-experiencing, well, I don't know, were you even around in the 80s uh, when, <sighs> when this game came out in the in the early 2000s? I imagine you, you seem like you were probably a pretty young guy. Um, I was technically around. Uh, I wasn't particularly... Um, <laughs> uh, I wasn't particularly engaged. I was three by the time the 80s were done. Um, right. But uh, I think... I think that's part of why Vice City means quite a lot to me, really, because I mm. guess all the way throughout the '90s, a lot of my uh, a lot of my cultural touchstones were kind of hand-me-downs from from my older brother. So you know, most of the music yeah. I listened to and the games that I played and and everything else kind of came from him, which was fine. He had good taste. Um, yep. But when Vice City came out, it was just such a sort of huge splash of just dripping mm. 80s culture that I'd never mm. really touched before and it just kind of blew my mind and I think along with a lot of other people probably around my age when that game came out it was it was unique I mean I think maybe today there are quite a few games that tend to be 
kind of dripping in 80s aesthetic um but at the time it seemed like vice city was kind of doing something entirely different and uh yeah the music uh, like everyone talks about with the radio stations in that game the music kind of stuck with me ever since but that particular piece um which is original composition by lex horton the Mm. the main theme that one was the one that stuck with me the most i think and it's probably because obviously every time you finished a mission in the game yes you got the little sting at the end um, yeah and it's just yeah it's just just magic really i've always always been on my playlist and i've always gone back to vice city every now and again in fact i'm playing it at the moment on ps4 which is probably Mm. why it's in my head um i think it still holds up do you i'm interested in that we've so we've covered gta's four and five on the cane and rinse podcast but we haven't been further back Mm. obviously you know sometimes we go back way way earlier we could very easily cover the original grand theft auto from 97 Mm. or gta 2 uh it would be interesting in some ways but my personal feeling is that those games haven't aged that well the 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 early 3d ones but maybe i'm you know maybe i'm missing out the last time i tried to play vice city I got stuck quite early on on the the level with the I think it's quite a notorious difficulty spike with the with the remote controlled helicopter in the building. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I played uh, through that so much originally that it's yeah. kind of stuck with me now. Um, right, so I can kind of get through it. <laughs> but I wonder. Obviously, uh, back in two thousand two, I was pretty blown away by GTA three in two thousand one, and mm. then Vice City seemed to really, uh, you know, with all that real licensed music. Um, whereas the GTA three had the uh, tracks from uh, Scarface, the uh, Debbie Harry, and um, mm. what's the producer's name? Uh, it's the uh, Giorgio Moroder, isn't it? Who, mm. who wrote the music? I think, um, and that was cool. And but the game was just you know back in back in two thousand one, just the, the open world, you know, living city thing yeah. seemed amazing. Vice City kind of really uh, you know added all that that extra atmosphere and and um, authenticity, but also yeah that kind of that that particular uh palette that 80s yeah. palette and uh it really was cool but yeah i got kind of put off by by some of the game design and i know some people still have this with the games to this day but i did i did finish four and i did finish five so i think they have kind of softened some of the the rougher gameplay edges over time yeah. so maybe someday we'll go back uh and and complete vice city for the for the show or or even gta3 oh, i'll um, definitely be playing along if you guys do because uh, cool. i know most of it like the back of my hand <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and so did you find out somebody who was uh, yeah, just just only uh barely a, a toddler as, as the 80s ended. Did you find yourself sort of interested by the game to go back and like experience the touchstones that the games based on like Scarface and Miami Vice and all that stuff? Um yeah, I mean a few of them. I I guess um I've never been I've never really invested in the kind of in the retro gaming scene in terms of sort of financially investing in some of the consoles and stuff back then. So I guess it's, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily been easy to, to experience some of that, but certainly, um, yeah, I think it's kind of, it, it, it certainly from a film perspective and a, and a music perspective, that's, that's Mm. where it really kind of sank in for me. I mean, I, I, my iTunes is kind of littered with all sorts of cheesy eighties stuff now. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's definitely the kind of aesthetic that kind of, that kind of worked on me, I guess. It's it's very weird. I, you know, I was a a child in in the eighties of uh, eight years old to eighteen years old, and mm. um, and most of that, most of the actual eighties music sounded pretty terrible at the time. But now it sounds <laughs> some of it sounds absolutely amazing because it sounds like nothing else. Because they yeah. were, you know, they were coming up with all these new production techniques and synthesizers went from being very simple, you know, 
devices indeed at the start of the 80s to super complicated you know sample generating powerhouses by the end and um and a lot of that stuff just sounds really uh fresh and also for me obviously very nostalgic as well yeah. and uh, yeah vice city does a great job of uh, of evoking that so as usual, we've also got some requests from the community or the rest of the community, I should say, uh, between your picks, Sam. And the first one is from Bloody Initiate, who says this song from Portal made me realize a couple of things while I was playing. I might actually be alone in this strange facility and I haven't heard a lot of music so far in the game. It's a special kind of aloneness conveyed by this track. If you ever got outside of one of Quake's levels, you would see the map on which you were fighting was suspended in space. It looked small, insignificant and irrelevant. You were fighting through a map full of monsters, but the playable field was just one particle out in space. There were no other players or characters, and no one cared that you were playing. It's not lonely, it's the sound of being alone. The difference is that when you're lonely, you miss others. This track makes you wonder if there ever there were others, or perhaps what other even means. When you're this alone, you create your own purpose, because you were the only living record of your own existence. When I heard this in Portal, I realised I was really, really alone.
that was self-esteem fund by kelly bailey uh, a moody piece no doubt mm. from yeah the 2007 portal we've uh, normally uh, featured uh, jonathan Coulton's songs but it's it's really good to feature some some kelly bailey stuff so is that a, a game that you've uh, you've spent time with in the past sam oh yeah absolutely i mean for me portal and portal 2 to be honest, Valve can keep their Half-Life sequels and their Left 4 Dead sequels. <laughs> I'd love to go back to Portal. It's it's mm. It really stuck with me. And it was just so unexpectedly funny and sinister. You know, you, yeah. it, it really nailed that that sense of sort of impending dread. And, and that music really was, was some of your first uh, whispers of something going slightly wrong. Because at first mm. you kind of think, okay, GLaDOS is a little bit strange. It's a bit of a kooky robot. I guess this is still kind of just a joke. And then that music just starts to gradually get a little bit more strange and sinister. And that's when it all starts to kind of bleed into the into the puzzling. And uh, yeah, it's, it's brilliant, really. I, I've always liked Bailey's work. Cool. Yeah, we covered Portal back in Kane and Rince issue 126, listeners. Uh, seek it out wherever you get your podcast from. We also covered the sequel a few weeks after that. So there's that too. Uh, it's been a yeah, it's been a fairly long time now since we've had uh, anything from Valve, but uh, they do seem to be making some noises in the direction of at least uh, curating and, and acquiring developers and, and putting some games out again. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, so I'm joined here today by my guest Sam Quirk from the the TT and TA communities. Uh, that's <laughs> nothing sexy. It's uh, it's true trophies and true achievements. Uh, Sam, uh, I'm quite pleased you picked uh, a piece from an Assassin's Creed game because I think we've got to the point now with Assassin's Creed where for a lot of you know serious gamers, uh, the just the name like with Call of Duty and Sonic the Hedgehog um, has almost become a bit of a kind of something it's often said with a sneer mm. Assassin's Creed and I think maybe the most recent game has done gone something to correct that although I'm concerned that they're immediately following it up with another one <laughs> after seemingly taking the sensible option of, uh, of taking a break uh, but yeah even, uh, I bought Origins it was the first one I'd bought for years because they mm. keep giving away all the others on games with Golden Origin and <laughs> like they just throw Assassin's Creed games at you I think maybe that devalues them to an extent as well mm. um, we've only covered uh, the first couple and three on, on Kane and Rince podcast but uh, Revelations I think was the one that came out just after we made our first Assassin's Creed show mm. and yeah I was listening to this piece earlier because I knew you picked it and I was just thinking like by any measure this is just a lovely piece of music and, yeah. and it's a shame that people I think maybe dismiss a lot of the, the work that goes into the Assassin's Creed franchise um, probably yeah. partly ubisoft's own doing but yeah, yeah. i mean for, i mean i'm a huge assassin's creed fan i've played all cool. of them i'm i'm quite the apologist uh although there are there are no occasions need to apology. <laughs> there are there are sometimes when i can't really apologize for it like the uh disastrous windows phone game that i managed to still oh, get boy. all the achievements in wow um, okay back when You're i came all the company. um Sorry, you played a play. Have you played the um the ones the 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 Chronicles ones as well? And yeah, actually, they they were they are some of the ones that I I kind of dropped off of because it just it was such a such a dramatic shift in, in kind of the way that the game worked that it just it didn't really feel the same to me. Um, they're I more guess, of a return to the the Prince of Persia roots. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. and you know they're 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 good games, I think, um, but they just weren't quite what I was looking for, I guess. Yeah, and I think. I think a huge part of it for me is I can kind of see past the the fairly tepid gameplay um, when I can just immerse myself in in this huge grand historical world, and I think that 
a lot of the the characterization the writing for for the individual characters is, has often been quite strong and that's something that mm. you don't really get to until you kind of invest in in the game itself and and obviously that's quite a lot to ask for people if if they're kind of tired of the gameplay and that's that's fair enough but for me i think um assassin's creed revelations is is probably the best example of that because it it's really where the gameplay started to feel quite tired but actually mm. walking around that world and being introduced to uh, Constantinople or Istanbul as it is today, which yeah. isn't a city that you get to explore very often in any medium, let alone right. in yeah. gaming. It just felt so rich and varied and uh, sort of philosophical. And it just really made me think about the world around me and the architecture around me and trying to kind of understand you know who built these grand edifices and who who kind of who were the people that lived in these cities at that time and i think that what i like about the music throughout the whole series is and particularly with jesper kid's work that started with Assassin's Creed one and he carried on mm. up until uh, until revelations is that he's just got this masterfully uh, soft touch where he'll bring in different influences that kind of resonate with what the game's doing so obviously in um assassin's creed 2 you had a lot of uh italian renaissance kind of instrumentation and and choral notes and things like that mixed with a bit of modern day guitar to bring in the the future story yeah but what i particularly like about um about his work for revelations and and istanbul this track in particular is that he's melding italian greek and middle eastern musical trends in the same way that Constantinople was this melting pot of all those cultures as well and it just yeah. it's it's stuck with me ever since and quite often when I'm traveling now I'll, I'll have this song on on my playlist on my mp3 player to just kind of get me in the mood to to experience sort of history unfolding around me um so it's 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 a track that's that's quite close to my heart actually
from Assassin's Creed Revelations all the way back in 2011. That was Istanbul by Jesper Kidd. Uh, yeah, so I bought uh, Origins. It was, a, as I say, it was the first Assassin's Creed I'd actually paid for for a long, long time because they they're always giving them away. Um, but it was really a uh, I'd heard that it was a bit of a technical tour de force as well as a mm. as well as a solid return to form game wise. Um, yeah, I had an Xbox One X and a and a new screen so it was like yeah i can i can i can dig it uh get back into some assassin's creed i haven't played tons of it but it mm. um it does it does have the feeling of something that they they'd uh, spent a little bit more time on perhaps yeah um, yeah i think so and there's that nice uh, sort of interactive museum facility as well which is yeah. uh, kind of non non combat no threat no danger just pure kind of immerse yourself in in the uh, in the world as depicted and i think there's yeah there's a lot of uh, merit to that both as a both as a just an a, a sort of an experience like a, a museum exhibit but also as an educational yeah um, and i think device. it's a nice nod to the people I, I think there's a fair fairly large niche within the assassin's creed community the, you know, the people that have have put up with the highs and lows that yes that's the part of the game that they came for and i think it was a nice touch for them as well to be able to kind of appreciate all the parts of the game that they enjoyed and maybe, you know, whether they were tired of the combat from the old games or they didn't get on with the combat in the new game, they still got to kind of immerse themselves in all of the hard work that the team had put into creating such an authentic space. And, and as I said before the, before the track, it, that's, that's the main part for me. That's, that's the part that I like about those games. So it was really nice to see. And as somebody who has been immersed and invested in the franchise, how how are you about the fact that they've pretty much uh, kind of dropped the outside of the the animus sequences? Yeah, I mean they have they have they've said apparently for Odyssey, which is coming up later this year, that they they've actually said that there's a fairly significant portion of that again. So okay. I'm not really sure. I mean, to be honest, that what they have got in Origins is is so sort of. Um, it's really retconny, like it's really sort of right. potentially laying the groundwork to kind of reset the the whole of the modern uh-huh. fiction. So I'm not sure what I make of that, really. I mean, to be honest, it, it, some of the ideas in in the modern day stuff were, were interesting to me, but it was it was perhaps never the 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 important part. The important part for me was was just seeing these characters desperately trying to trying to leave some kind of message of hope for the next generation that was the the, the philosophical side of it was was more interesting than the waffly mm. sci-fi stuff because you know it's mm-hmm. all just you know basic b-movie kind of sci-fi stuff really it's not something to to take too seriously or at least not for me anyway i know there's quite a few people who, who kind of religiously <laughs> go on all the extra websites and read all the novels and everything else looking for little nuggets yeah. of information but Yes, there's people who do that for far less uh, sort of <laughs> intelligent and in-depth franchises than even Assassin's Creed as well. Uh, you know, super hardcore Sonic the Hedgehog uh, and <laughs> things like that, which uh, always bemuses me. But, uh, you know, whatever makes people happy and gets them through the day is fine as long as it doesn't hurt other people, obviously. <laughs> um, and while we, we may as well uh, tick off every box, did you watch the movie with Fassbender? Oh, I did much later and I regretted it. So um, Was it as dull as it looked? Yeah, uh, yeah. it just, it didn't, It like a lot of, actually probably like a lot of Ubisoft franchises, I find it, it was trying to please everyone and not managing to please anyone. So it wasn't yeah. particularly fun from a just a a punter's perspective and it wasn't at all fun from a from a as a fan of the series either so unfortunately slavishly faithful in some ways i understand yeah lots of lots of uh you know 
fan service. Yeah, and but I mean, I suppose with a lot of adaptations, that's not necessarily always a good thing, even for the no. fans, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another uh, video game movie yep. to properly avoid. Yep. <laughs> Uh, crashing juxtaposition time for Sound of Play fans. You'll enjoy this. Your friend Marcus from the forum says, Mother 3 is a game whose music is not only brilliantly crafted, but so integral to the experience. Like Paper Mario, this turn-based engine allows for additional hits when timed appropriately. But in this game, it all has to do with timing it with the battle music playing. That being said, this song I'm submitting is not a battle theme, but one found a few places inside the game. The first I recognise being after your character goes mad at the misfortune revealed to him and strikes out in violence only to be locked up in the prison until he calms down. That's when this song comes in and it features a theme that is frequently found in the rest of the soundtrack in different ways. But here that theme is played in a sound that I hear as a mimic of a theremin. The unsure and almost sloppy transitions between the notes so fitting to your character's unease in the scene. Yet the beauty of the melody being there as the basis of everything good that remains in the world keeping him going. It was at this moment in the game I knew Earthbound wasn't a fluke and that I knew I would love this one just the same and that the Mother series was something I was so lucky to have stumbled upon. This is My Wonderful Room or In The Room by Shogo Sakai. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. was Shogo Sakai from Mother 3, the Game Boy Advance instalment in that series, known as Earthbound, often outside. Uh, yeah, that was 2006. Now, uh, we may someday cover the Mother slash Earthbound series on Kane and Rinse. I'm joined today by my guest Sam Quirk from True Achievements and True Trophies. And next up, we have a piece uh, that is from a game from a beloved franchise, probably the most controversial and divisive entry into that franchise. <laughs> now, I don't know if uh, if you're one of those folks who uh, loved this entry, despite the things that it did that some people were really not pleased about. Yeah, so Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, yeah. It's, so I played, I remember playing Metal Gear Solid 1 with my brother, actually. This is a series that up until the, the end of the third game, I think, that... that me and my brother, we used to play single player games kind of together. We'd pass the controller yeah. between us and get through different parts of it nice. together, which was which is lovely. And it's probably why Metal Gear Solid 2 in particular stuck in my head, because yeah. that was perhaps the, the age when we were both maybe old enough to, to really get all the, the intricacies of the plot and things like that. Although, to be honest, you're never old enough to get all the intricacies of a Hideo Kojima <laughs> plot. But, um, Keep working on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it's... Um, it didn't really bother me because I wasn't so invested in Snake's story. It was it was just interesting and uh, mm. unique to see 
a character just disappear after after that mm-hmm. tanker episode that we'd all played so much on the demo disc that came out with Zone of Enders oh, yeah. as well. Um, you know, it was, it, I I don't mind a crashing shift in things uh, if it's as long as it's nice the, to be surprised because so yeah. few things are surprising. That's the thing. Like I'm not saying I was in love with Raiden at the time, but yeah. I was at least I was like. This is, yeah, this was, you know, a nice rug pull. This is something that actually so many games are, are just, you know, especially back then were just, you know, you knew exactly what you were getting. It yeah. was something a bit different and a bit bold. Absolutely. And I think, you know, from that point forward, that game was almost designed to subtly weird you out. You know, everything in that game was kind of a crashing yeah. juxtaposition with everything else. And certainly the music, I found that as well. You know, there was, there's, there's quite a lot of uh, sort of jazzy, um, yeah relaxing kind of vibes going on in the music but with all this kind of crashing hollywood brass and then sort of weird electronic noises and percussive stuff going on um and that obviously gets increasingly weird towards the end of the game in, when you get to arsenal gear when the music goes very very strange along with most of the rest of the game to be honest um and it just kind of sticks in your head and and but i think the the main thing that still uh, sticks with me now in terms of the the game itself is the environments and how I remember thinking how crisp they were and how beautiful and, and yeah. the the lighting was just incredible and and I think that the big shell section when you've when you've uh, changed to Raiden's perspective really shows that off a lot more than the tanker in some ways because mm. you've got this gradually shifting uh, day cycle every time yeah. you you finish something dramatic you go outside and and the shades are slightly different. All the colors slightly change. The sun's lower in the sky and the shadows have changed. And for me, I mean, the reason why I've picked this track coming up twilight sniping is because that part of the game, when you're uh, trying to protect Emma as she's getting across the, uh, going across the water and you're sniping away at everyone Mm. trying to get to her. Just, it's so beautiful when you see that sunset across the other side of the big shell and the, the water's sparkling and this just, breathy jazz track comes in but again you've got this kind of crashing juxtaposition because at the same time you're desperately trying to pick off all of these guards that are trying to shoot this person who you've you've had to just drag through a a horrendous underwater section in the game uh and then suddenly she's being sniped at and it just it it was a very strange moment for the game to have um obviously there's some callbacks to to similar game similar points in uh metal gear side one but Mm. It's a strangely beautiful scene that has stuck with me ever since, and I guess that's why the music stuck with me as well.
So that was Twilight Sniping from Norihiko Hibino, the Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty soundtrack, his contributions to it. Yeah, I remember we went back to that game for the Canarins podcast back in our within our first year, so that would have been 2011, 12-ish, and uh, played the uh, Blue Point remasters on PS3. I've still got those versions, and uh, it still looked pretty darn nice then uh, at 10 years old. Haven't been back more recently. Obviously, we've our eyes have since become accustomed to even more pixels, first 1080p and now 4K, but I reckon... I reckon Metal Metal Gear Solid 2 on the PS3 and possibly even the PS2 probably still looks pretty fine Mm. because it was so much about the use of uh, animation and textures more than it was, um, you know, ridiculously high polygon counts or anything like that. I was actually watching uh, John Linneman, our our friend John Linneman, Mm. uh, of Digital Foundry's uh, analysis of uh, Metal Gear Solid 2's tech and uh, it's, yeah, some really extraordinary stuff they were doing with... Some quite limited hardware, although back at the time the PS2 seemed like this, you know, incredibly powerful thing. Um, in hindsight, it really wasn't, and not only that, that it wasn't massively easy to develop for uh, either. To, no. to put it mildly, it was notoriously difficult to to make it sing. And um, I think, yeah, I'm sure he had confluence and, and discussion with Sony about getting the most out of it, um, because I think it was it was a pretty big deal for Sony to have this uh, this major major sequel on the platform. But absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, good times. And yes, I totally agree about the atmosphere of of Big Shell. Um, mm. It really really sticks in my mind as well. So um, yeah, it, it it's a strong Metal Gear memory for me, definitely. Yeah. Now we have something uh, of a slightly different emotional nature. Uh, this will be from uh, one of our favourite composers, Yoko Shimomura. This is uh, actually we haven't featured this before, but it's uh, it's one of the most uh, important pieces, I believe, from the Kingdom Hearts uh, franchise. This is uh, requested by Capremion or Capremion. I d- I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, your name is difficult. Uh, whoever you are, thank you for requesting this and saying. I remember first playing uh, the summer after my freshman year while taking summer physics at my university. My friends weren't around since everyone went home, but I had my PS2, so I picked up Kingdom Hearts 2 after people telling me to play it. My God, this game shook me to the core. After beating the game, I remember staring at the menu screen in awe and shock and how great a game it was, and this music was playing the entire time. I was so invested in the game emotionally that I remember just falling asleep to the menu screen, enchanted by the song Dearly Beloved. This remains one of my favourite game songs of all time.
from Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2, I think, and probably Kingdom Hearts 3 coming eventually <laughs> soonish now, I believe, for reals. Um, and possibly it's featured in one of the many peculiarly numbered and titled sequels. I noticed the other day there is a bundle you can buy on mm. PS4 now, which is everything Kingdom Hearts, including the forthcoming game. I think it's eighty nine ninety nine for the remasters of the two main games, plus all the, the, the versions they've included uh, before. And I'm still like, I've never played a Kingdom Hearts game. The series has been going since 2002. Um, it's like, I'm not a ma- like a super fan of either Square or Disney, but I like things that they both do. So I'm mm. curious, but the more, the longer the time goes on and the more complex and insane that series seems to be. Uh, and I've, I've watched some of the, the cut scenes of voice acting and it, it seems like, like I, I may have missed the window, but, but part of me really wants to play those games for the show and sort of kind of delve in. So Sam, have you ever uh, entered the, the, bizarre world of kingdom hearts i i haven't and it's interesting i was looking it up the other day because obviously writing writing for a games website during e3 i saw most of the 13 billion trailers there were for kingdom yes. hearts 3 <laughs> um right but that kind of that once again as it does every time it, it comes up it kind of made me think maybe i should give it a go and interestingly i was reading an article the other day saying that basically the the uh one and two bundle that you can get on ps4 yes. essentially covers everything that's worth playing so yes. that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe I could jump in and and still getting something out of it. But but like you, I, I'm I'm kind of a bit torn because I like Disney and I I I haven't really had that much experience with Square's JRPGs, but they've they've mm-hmm. always seemed interesting to me. But there's just not quite enough incentive there for me to to give up all the other games that I've got on my backlog to yeah. to go and give that a go. So maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thanks for the request. Uh, you of the unpronounceable name, Cupraymion, Cupraymion. I'm still not making anything out of it, but uh, thank you anyway for that. Uh, Dearly beloved by Yoko Shimomura. Uh, another popular composer is Jeremy Soul. We've uh, featured a number of pieces before from uh, the likes of the Elder Scrolls games, but I don't believe we've picked this one before. So Sam, you've brought us Ariel's Ascension. What is it about this piece from Oblivion that you love so much? Well, I mean, Oblivion was was the game that really got me back into gaming uh, in the in the generation with the Xbox 360, and and you know I'd never really kind of gone away from gaming, but I think that was when my obsession really started to kick in again. And something about entering that world and and coming out of the sewer at the beginning of of Oblivion and just seeing yeah, striking moment, absolutely beautiful. And I to be honest, there aren't many games that have that have matched that moment for me obviously technology's moved on and things are, uh, are certainly more uh, aesthetically pleasing but just the way that you open out into the world and and your journal says go for it just yeah whatever you want to do and that's what i did i didn't touch the main quest for hours and hours i went across the lake i got chased into the mountains by some wolves and uh, didn't know mm-hmm. what on earth <laughs> i was doing look back yeah. and it's just beautiful vista over the whole world and the sunsets and the stars come out and bearing in mind I've not had any experience by this point of Elder Scrolls games I didn't really understand any of the lore or anything that I was looking at but just just existing in in the forest with the stars out and this beautiful haunting piece of music starts playing I just I knew in that moment that okay 
see you in 300 hours i'm gonna <laughs> play this game all the way through until everything's done and uh yeah that's again it's another track that's that stuck with me so much that it's become part of my traveling pod, uh, traveling playlist um for when i'm sort of visiting somewhere and i want to get in the mood to connect with my surroundings and cr- connect with the world around me and nature and whatever i want to do it's 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 a great piece to kind of open your mind up i think and and that's that's why it's one of my all-timers The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion from 2006, Ariel's Ascension, as selected by my guest Sam. I think you and I uh, share similar appreciation of certain kind of moods and atmospheres, judging by the comments that you've made so far, because um, I, I have similarly strong memories of, of, of this, your selections, not, not Revelations, because I haven't played that one, but certainly the last couple. And 
I understand why people, particularly in a post-Dark Souls, post-Witcher world, are, I think, increasingly dismissive of the Elder Scrolls' achievements mm. because of some of their shortcomings. I think uh, people would say that the, the the sort of the actual lack of real characters and certainly when you go back to Oblivion, the voice acting and the lack of voice actors um the the combat being pretty perfunctory and all that sort of thing i think all this stuff has kind of come together uh, and here we are seven years on from skyrim which obviously is still being bought and played by people but um but i think there's now a certain snootiness about the elder scrolls games but i think it's it's easy to forget just again how profound some of the moments that it offered even if then maybe they're not games that you would want to go back to necessarily i mean it would be an in, it would be an interesting series for us to cover especially if we went all the way back to the <laughs> arena and daggerfall because those really would have aged uh, incredibly poorly i suspect um but i think while certain games throughout the history of the medium don't necessarily lend themselves to uh you know going back to years and years after um i think it's important not to deny what they offered at the time mm. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I think you only have to look at the the reaction to the three seconds we got of The Elder Scrolls Six at E3 a couple of weeks ago. And, and you know, I don't think it's a... It, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, the, what they showed was, was a sweeping vista of, of some beautiful landscape because yeah. I think that Bethesda know as well as anyone that it's about going out into that world. It's not necessarily for a lot of the fans about how sort of tight the gameplay is or how um how dark and interesting the story is much as those are perfectly valid reasons to play a fantasy game yeah elder scrolls is is it tends to be about just going out and appreciating the land yeah exactly appreciating a landscape Mm. and just thinking i'm gonna go over to that mountain now you know much much as we all found with um breath of the wild recently you know just just the idea of looking at a a space and going i'm gonna go over there and it's gonna take me most of my playtime today to get over there but but i just want to see what the view's like and then Mm. that's that's what makes it uh beautiful for me i think Yes, and obviously the music, which is what we're here for, uh, certainly doesn't harm that. But I, I think maybe there's a sense now that with you know The Witcher 3 having happened and the likes of the Souls games and Breath of the Wild, that there might be an opportunity for Bethesda to do a bit more with the other stuff. Mm. Um, so make a beautiful landscape that is eminently explorable, but also you know perhaps lock down some of the... You know, it's not like everybody loves those games I just mentioned either. They, you know, they have their their pros and cons and everybody likes different things. But I do think that maybe there is a chance for Bethesda to just address the shortcomings that I think most people would say that the, the, the Elder Scrolls games have in, in the modern world. But um, Yeah, and I think, to be honest, because they've, as a publisher, they've become synonymous with a, with a lot more... Uh, a lot of games that are uh, a lot more engaging from a gameplay perspective, you know, they're, they're, they're publishing yeah. some, some really uh, great, great stuff now that yes, I think that that is going to reflect back on, on what they produce as a studio and, and the fact that they've taken so long to, to bring this out and who knows when it will eventually come out. I, I, mm. I think that we will see some gameplay improvements that hopefully don't, uh, don't mess with what people love about it, but, but there's yeah. definitely room for improvement for sure. Hmm. Uh, panel, uh, no, not our penultimate, our pen penultimate track in this sound of play because I've slipped in a bonus track for reasons which will become apparent. Uh, but this is a request from Sergeant Silent. It's another one from the Square Enix camp. 
uh, Sergeant Silence says, The sense of calm this track portrays is almost magical. It pacifies and soothes the soul in a world that could be ending any day. It presents an unspoken hero, someone who sees a future for the world, one where it survives to be exactly what everyone wants, where we rule ourselves and are not ruled by the gods above us. This is from Final Fantasy XIII 2, and it's called Hope's Theme, Tomorrow's Dream. From the 2011 JRPG Final Fantasy XIII 2, we may get there eventually someday. We're currently covering Final Fantasy series, the, the numbered entries, uh, the main core numbered entries on Kane and Rince podcast. We're currently, we've just done four. We're currently playing five for a show. Uh, we are going to be on seven by the end of the year. One of the most requested Kane and Rince podcasts of all, as you can imagine. Uh some people may be upset <laughs> I don't know it remains to be seen I, genuinely I don't know but I think there may be criticisms that some people maybe don't want to hear but uh, I think our audience is is uh, is mature enough to to take this to take the suggestion that maybe some things about Final Fantasy 7 aren't as uh, incredible as we remember but uh, I'm looking forward to replaying it anyway mm. uh, Final Fantasy 13 2 is one that we won't necessarily cover on our first run um, we're talking about someday doing a uh, side quests and sequels and spin-offs <laughs> series as well because we don't have enough on our plate. Uh, Sam, do you Final Fantasy? You said you don't have a massive amount of experience with Square Enix, so I'm guessing maybe you've dabbled? 
Yeah, I mean, I I actually have uh, in my favorites tab on my browser, I have a uh, piece from, I think, GamesRadar or someone like that saying where you should play each of the Final Fantasy games, because it's always been something that I like, like you guys have wanted to go back and explore. And, and it can be a little difficult working out which formats, um, certainly of, of the modern formats that you should you should go back and try and play them on. But I personally, weirdly, this is a weird admission. The only one I've ever played is Final Fantasy X2. <laughs> um, and I, I I hold my hands up. I asked for it. My parents got it on my specific request. I, there was something about it that just, curious it just, seemed, choice. <laughs> it just seemed so, at the time, it just seemed so weird and unusual. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of playing three women, taking on the world, one superpower, generating fancy dress costume at a time just seemed so yes. bizarre. When you put it like that. You know, just, yes. Yeah, it really spoke to me. And I thought, well, if I'm going to get into <laughs> to the weird world of JRPGs, I'm going to start there. This one's just come out. Let's give it a go. And actually, I played it all the way through and, and quite enjoyed myself. So um, nice. it's always been something to to try and tackle. But after I played that one, I thought, OK, I'm going to try and start from the beginning. And of course, that's when it then went straight in my backlog as, as a thing that I need to try and invest an inordinate amount of time in and unfortunately so far it's just it, i've never even even been able to catch up even when you guys announced that you were covering it i oh, didn't have yeah. my ducks in order in time to to get on board with that but i've been enjoying the discussion um and, oh well, thank you it's yeah. uh yes i mean it is a slog uh i won't deny it um but uh but a fascinating one nonetheless mm. uh it's definitely you know from my personal point of view it's uh it's a it's a sort of pilgrimage but also it's a it's definitely where Kane rinse's work for me playing through the early final fantasy games is uh is is part you know sort of uh, morbid fascination and part part curiosity part work part pleasure it's a strange thing <laughs> but um but it absolutely had to be done uh, i ended up missing the final fantasy 3 show um for scheduling reasons so I, I, I actually i will still need to go back to that one even though the panel pretty much didn't like it <laughs> because i can't leave i can't leave one unplayed that's no. just insane and yes that's uh that article sounds good actually because it is a bit of a minefield um because of the various different uh, versions and variations of each game in the series well not each game but a lot of them mm. there are multiple ways of playing each one um, and obviously us being Kane Rince we talk about those on the show but we don't necessarily we don't aren't always able to play all of the the, the different versions or we you know we don't have them available or whatever so um, but yes it's uh, it's a fun time and as I say listeners uh, listen to that other show um, which gets 15 times the amount of listeners that this does so you probably <laughs> you probably listen to that anyway um, <laughs> Um, but yes, we'll we'll keep on trucking through to at least at least fifteen uh, Final Fantasy fifteen. That is. Remember, do venture over to our forum. As I say, at canerince.com. It is a friendly and intelligent community of uh, mature discussion. Not boring. Mature. It's different. Uh, there's just not a lot of nastiness. <laughs> uh, similarly, follow us on Twitter at canerince. You can also make requests. Use that uh, hashtag sound of play. Also do that on our Facebook page. But uh, give us a like there anyway. Facebook.com slash canerince. That's where we do most of our news. But you can also keep up with our latest output articles and features and so on so forth and podcasts of course uh, do request your favorite tunes and other oddities and curios and songs and tunes that uh, you have some kind of anecdote or story of association with and we'll include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular sound of play do subscribe leave us an itunes or apple podcast review or rating same for the other podcast Kane and rinse 
social media, as I say, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You've probably switched off by now, but if you haven't, you can support us and help us keep on making all this fine podcasting entertainment, which does take a significant amount of time and effort. Patreon.com slash Cane and Rinse. You can pay just a dollar a month and you get each new Cane and Rinse show a week early, as well as an exclusive monthly cast. And as of the end of June, you'll get our new uh, all one format specials three months earlier than non-subscribers, starting with the Mega Drive show, including guest uh, John Lineman and also Dan Clark. Now, before we have our last two tracks uh, in an unusual move, uh, Sam, what would you like to uh, inform our listenership of your social media, your websites, your podcasts, whatever? Yeah. The floor is yours. So um, I guess obviously there's True Achievements and TrueTrophies.com. I'm mainly over on True Trophies at the moment. Uh, playing playstation covering the news and uh, writing the occasional feature and love for more people to come over there and and uh, get involved i just posted a what i thought was a fairly sony critical piece and thought that i was going to get lots of backlash but actually i've just had loads of wonderfully reasonable discourse from from the community over at tt so it can happen it, it does can. exist <laughs> yeah yes. exactly so um yeah definitely uh, sign up for there and and uh, keep an eye on what i'm doing there um ta playlist so that's uh mine and mark and kevin's podcast as we mentioned earlier a bit like cane and rinse um mm -hmm. basically we once a month we put a poll up on trueachievements.com we ask people to vote for one of four games we think is worth talking about uh whichever one that is we'll play that in the next month along with the community get loads of feedback from them and then we'll incorporate all of that into a podcast at the end of the month um it sounds strangely familiar as yeah you say, it does it does um <laughs> we do obviously we have to rely on the community picking games for us although we do obviously yes. have a little bit of input. we don't let our community pick our games no no, no that's, that's, that's that's mine and tony's job yeah i mean it's, <laughs> it's it's a difficult process to be honest to um yes to try and work out what we should put to the public and 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 what they might pick and whether we're you know when when, some, when something wins and we weren't expecting it sometimes you know one or more of us would go oh, actually i kind of wanted to play the other one but never mind but yeah. um but it's just <laughs> the way it is and and it gets the community involved and 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 that's what we like about it so that's your usp that we don't have you well see, so exactly that's... we had to separate ourselves somehow so yeah. um <laughs> but yeah i mean i we, we've talked about assassin's creed origins um we actually recently had an episode with your own darren gargett on yeah. sea of thieves um that was a very nice. good show and mm. If I edit it in time, um, I will have Quantum Break up by this following weekend. Um, so oh, just after the show comes out. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that one. Um, but mainly, if you want to uh, find me, I'm uh, Kintaris, which is K I N T A R I S on Twitter, Xbox, PlayStation, wherever you would try and talk to me, I'll be there. So um, yeah, probably Twitter's the main place to catch me, but but I'm generally available on that on that tag. Cool, good stuff. Right, so before we have your final pick, we've slipped in a bonus track because I received an email from a guy called Chris who says, hello, I really like your podcast and wanted to let you know you can use this song if you like. It's called 8-Bit Memories about 80s and 90s video games. So why not? This is called 8-Bit Memories by Chris or time as he's known featuring i reckon it might be choo choo but it could be zuzu uh, and this is from a few years back it's on his soundcloud check it out it's all about as he says 80s and 90s video games
My mom gave birth in 1985 I was blue within a Pac-Man ghost Barely alive In the Cold War My only blanket was Tetris I played Rampart With Reagan Rampage The world for breakfast The laundry mat was my sanctuary That arcade was my church I thought I was Rastan So for evil I was searched That joystick was the only thing I enjoyed holding Cause it let me save the world And kept my axe golden I cried playing punch out Till I found out you hit the band-aid Told my mom all about it It made my damn day Candy had me bouncing off the walls like Arkanoid No need for the park of toys, the arcade filled my void Some dragons by the double pools, skulls and goblins Shoplifted took me away from all the war and the problems Who knew a quarter could make me feel like God on a throne? Who knew a quarter could help me save the world on my own? Throwing the sign peace America was playing real like Zaxxon in the Middle East But no matter how much my neighbor said the world would end I was determined to play Missile Command till the end I wasn't a normal child who played with yak backs and crayons Cause I liked how that trackball felt like the world in my hands Each star was a space evader, the sky was Galaga Every day was a boss fight, the soundtrack was Metallica This was back when the only snakes in my life were on q And video game pixels were the only people that you hurt Every day was burger time, killing Spiders and centipedes Back when bedtimes and bass were my only enemies At that moment nothing mattered in my life more Than seeing my three initials at Lakeside with a high score But now I'm older, there's no quarter to resurrect or hit reset It's either game over or success I'm walking towards a light bright, no regrets That was 8-Bit Memory, something a bit different there. An original track. Uh, thanks for sharing. Anyone else wants to do that? There needs to be a, a strong video games connection, um, either if you're composing for games or uh, about games, then, yeah, we're interested. And um, it's nice to play something where we know we're not infringing any copyrights. Um, <laughs> So, Sam, your final pick is actually, uh, it's a cover version by a friend of the show and uh, often featured uh, artist, uh, Insane in the Rain Music. I know Ryan's, uh, I think, a friend of his pretty much, uh, certainly a a contact. Um, So you uh, picked um, a Pokemon tune. We haven't featured a lot of Pokemon Pokemon, trying to try to say it right. Pokemon music um, over the years, but uh, yeah, this is a lovely piece from the ridiculously talented, insane in the rain music. Um, is this another travelling piece for you? Um, well, it will be actually. I only discovered this recently, um, but uh-huh. it's, it's kind of connected to travel. I mean, 
Pokemon has uh, quite a close place to my heart, particularly the later Pokemon games, because um, it's something my myself and my wife bonded over um, while she oh, nice. was re- recovering from from surgery, um, and I was right. I was kind of looking after her at home for for a few months and very stressful and emotional as these things are. Yes. And um, at that point, Netflix had just started showing the X and Y anime series and oh, okay we both had some memories of the original series from when we were growing up so we thought oh, we'll give it a go and on anton deck on saturday yeah, morning tv yeah, exactly yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um but there was just something so pure and wholesome about it that it kind of just washed away all of the all of the dark stuff that we oh. were going through and nice. ever since then we've been pokemon obsessed we've got uh, stuffed toys everywhere we've both got <laughs> pokeball 3ds's we're nice just obsessed with everything to do with it now and um alola um it's sorry the uh, pokemon sun and moon um which alola is the is the region that's in that game um yeah. that was kind of the culmination of us kind of fully recovering from everything that she'd been through and we then went to japan the following year after that game came out and sun and moon was just everywhere and we went to the pokemon center and just bought all sorts of stuff back a full-size slow poke you know everything that you could possibly think of um and so the how uh, sorry to interrupt how yeah. big is a full-size slowpoke um it's not too big it's, it's sort of the size of a small dog um but we had wow. to buy an extra <laughs> Pikachu bag to bring it home in obviously <laughs> but um but yeah it's nice. it's it's been it's been lovely to have something that we can connect over because because uh, my wife's not a huge gamer and and it's just something that we can really bond oh, over that's um, wonderful. Uh, but when we went to Japan, uh, we also really got into kind of light cafe jazz because it was obviously everywhere when you're in Tokyo. <laughs> and so yeah. when I was trying to pick a track for to kind of um, encapsulate everything that we loved about Pokemon, I, I remembered Insane in the Rain from, from previous episodes of this show. Uh-huh. And I went and had a look and found this and I thought, this is just everything mashed together. Perfect. This is our love of Japan, our love of Pokemon. It's it's bright and it's happy and it's it's a life-affirming kind of music. And so I kind of just wanted to end on, on a nice jazzy note. <laughs> That's so nice. What a wonderful thing. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, if I may, I will add you, uh, obviously, Pokemon games or a Pokemon show on Kane and Rince has been something that's been requested a lot. And my, my normal answer is that we don't have any real Pokemon fanatics among the team. So I'll have to add you to the uh, to the big old spreadsheet as a potential guest if we ever uh, manage to try to cover Pokemon. I guess you'd be up for that, right? Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I missed a huge swathe of, of Pokemon games in, in the middle, which which kind of contains what a lot of people think of as the best Pokemon games gameplay wise. So I'd be absolutely right. up for going back and. OK. And oh, that's that even better. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, marvellous. Right. It's a date at some point <laughs> in the infinite future. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining me, Sam. It's been a lot of pleasure to talk to you. And uh, yeah, I love the uh, the story behind this track. So we'll play out with it for you listeners. Alola region theme. This is jazz cover by Insane and Ren Music, originally composed by Minako Adachi. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.